So that was kind of an up, down, upside down experience because all of a sudden I'm handed 12,000 artifacts and three months to figure out how to mount them all and install them in a building that was currently being sure. built. Did I say I'm an artist? Well, sometimes as an artist, one must find ways to help, quote unquote, supplement one's income. For me, that has been art handling and museum exhibition work. Some people don't even know this kind of work exists. However, now that museums and galleries are closed for the foreseeable future, and as I am a little too young for retirement, my focus has been renewed into networking, hence this podcast. Once I began calling up old friends in the field, it occurred to me to reach out to a known source of information and networking opportunity, Packin. Preparation, Art Handling, and Collections Care Information Network. To my delight, they got back to me, and I was connected with their secretary to the board, Sean Harrison. Sean generously gave an hour of his time to explain to me the history and objectives of the organization, and more. Hello, Sean Harrison. Thank you so much for joining me today. Good morning. You're welcome. Pleasure to be asked. So, um, do you mind if I ask you a couple questions about ultimately Packin and a little background on yourself and how you got into the museum ex- exhibition business? I would appreciate that very much. Okay. Um, well, how did you begin? How did you? Uh, where were you born? What how, you know? What did you do growing up? And yeah, um, I was born and raised uh, to artisans in Mississippi in the 1970s. Ah. Um, and actually, that's where I got my start in sort of the art handling and exhibitions career because I was raised helping them go to art fairs, set mm-hmm. up uh, gallery shows, set up commissioned installations of their ceramic sculptures, fountains, uh, other large works, and then going to other artist shows and events. So it was it was just something that was born and bred into my blood. So you were li- um, literally were uh, born doing it. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, and my parents were also, uh, at the time, founding members of the Mississippi Artists Craftsmen's Guild, which was one of the first artists' guilds in the nation to host an annual sales event, trade fair kind of okay, thing. Okay. Um, in, in bringing in musicians and dance performers and several hundred artisans selling their wares a uh, specific weekend. It was a very big deal in the uh, early 70s uh, in the Deep South. No, oh, yeah, um, that, yeah. Then, in sort of skip ahead a bunch and get to college, Mm -hmm. um, I I, um, basically got a a work-study job in the exhibit galleries that Evergreen State College had going. Um, So they had a monthly exhibit rotation program Mm -hmm. in two different spaces on a building. There was a faculty curator but he needed a, a student manager and so that's pretty much where I came to learn the actual stock and trade of creating a real gallery exhibit, right. someone else's work, um, writing press releases, writing posters, uh, designing all the graphics and labels, um, ah. coming up with talking points for docents or, or guest uh, assistants, um, giving special tours, special events, doing all the lighting, all the installation, uh, working with shops to have things fabricated for display. Okay. So spent four years doing that while mm-hmm. also doing my undergraduate studies. And then spent a few years doing picture framing and other just retail after college work. Sure, sure. And kind of came about about the business really in an upside down way. Because I'm not an artist right. by trade. Um, I, I'm very much like Chauncey Gardner and being there. I like uh-huh. to watch. <laughs> um, 
And, you, and uh, there are a lot of artists who do really great work yeah. that I would love to support and encourage and learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always just trying to find something in that venue and, and around the outside edges um, until I got a job at Experience Music Project okay. about six months before their groundbreaking. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The major uh, rock and roll museum in Seattle, Washington, that was bespoke uh, oh. Frank Gehry okay. structure, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, built for Paul Allen and his private collection, um, featuring Jimi Hendrix, uh, the entire Northwest music development scene from the '30s to grunge and, and the high '90s oh, that popular culture. But then also a huge section on hip hop and country music and how all that feeds into contemporary rock and roll. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that, like I said, that was kind of an up, down, upside down experience because all of a sudden I'm handed twelve thousand artifacts and three months to figure out how to mount them all and install them in a building that was currently being Sir. built, <laughs> and hire the crew to do that and and make it happen. And oh, good, they were going to let you hire a crew. That's good. Yeah. I, oh yeah. Uh, so oh, these... yeah, we hired um, <laughs> we hired a handful of people and then we also subcontracted a good bit of it out okay. as well because um, it was just. Yeah, too many that objects, is too many amazing. Floors. Um, so we pulled that off uh, quite successfully, and that was a, a great deal of fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, then following that, I had moved around in my career quite a bit. Um, worked for uh, a private collection uh, for an, a couple of years. Okay. Uh, servicing their exhibit needs, their artwork in 15 properties across the world and five oh, yachts. Amazing. And then from there, I needed to scale back a little bit because of uh, growing family needs. I uh, mm-hmm. worked for an art handling services company up in the Pacific Northwest called Art Tech. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. For over 10 years in a various number of capacities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a really great opportunity to learn a lot of different facets of the trade, not just the, the handling and logistics, which mm-hmm. I kind of came to them knowing really well. Yeah, yeah. But the customer service and sales side and how to engage with somebody who doesn't even understand what they're asking you to do. Right. Um, or doesn't understand the options that are available mm-hmm. other than what they think they want. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. To doing the shipping and logistics coordination and the insurance brokerage facilitation, uh, conservation facilitation, um, creating and packing. Um, you know, it's also, it's a wonderful part of our trade because it's Figuring out yeah. a puzzle that never existed before. Right, right. And how to take it apart, and then somebody else can put it back together, and it makes sense. But it does a thing, and that's mm-hmm. really fascinating. It's, it's a functional sculpture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, some crates are art and, themselves. And then I even got into being a registrar for uh, Microsoft's art collection uh, for a number uh-huh. of years and was dealing with uh, setting up purchasing agreements for Chinese art and art in Europe and moving art around to 180 sites worldwide. That is amazing. I... And that, that was, that was a, a great kind of like graduate level study experience mm-hmm. at, at Art Tech to get to mm-hmm. move around and have all these different assets. And then after that, I went back to a, a private museum, the Bellevue Arts Museum, which uh-huh. is uh, one of the, the premier arts and crafts museums on the West Coast. Um, it's kind of a, a parallel to the Museum of Art and Design in New York. Okay. They do a lot okay. of shared shows. And the Mingay uh, in San Diego. So I worked for them for about four or five years. Um, and they have a very wonderful, robust biennial program. So every two years they pick a medium and they put out a call for artists to submit pieces, ideally new or created specifically for the show, okay. not old pieces. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that gets winnowed down to 30 to 40 artists who then all have to bring their artwork in or send their artwork in to be installed. Okay. Uh, and this is just one of 16 shows that they put on every year. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So getting to work with contemporary artists who either really know exactly what they're doing and right, just right. drilled down or mm-hmm. who are figuring it out mm-hmm. as it's walking out of the truck mm-hmm, <laughs> and, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. both into the ex- spectrum and terrific experience also working with the curator and the yeah. management staff of the museum to make sure this is all safe and technically competent yeah. and manageable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that also leads to then generating a relationship with one or two artists who become featured exhibits in the next year or two. Okay. So it, it's that wonderful sales experience coming back into play, but in a curatorial and exhibition design. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I, I just needed to get out of the Northwest. I'd been there for 28 years. My mm-hmm. wife and I both wanted to change. Um, mm-hmm. My wife is also a registrar in the museum world. Um, so um, we share a lot of interests and affinities. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, was, it, was, it was a great opportunity to just say, where else in the world has places we would like to work? And I poke around and came to Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm working at the Bullock Texas State History Museum, which at first kind of made me uh, take a pause because it's a history museum and I've worked in art and right. music. And it took me about a week to realize it's a museum. Right. That's exactly. why I applied here. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. They still use Volara and they still use gloves and they still, you know, let things acclimate for 24 hours. It's all the same procedures perfect, and protocols. Perfect. And they care it's about... It's just a different set of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's it's a lot more saddles and guns than I've ever seen in my life because it's history, but it's also Texas history, and that's right. what made the history here. Sure, sure. Um, and a lot of documents, um, mm-hmm. which is great. I mean, I've handled folios that are 600 years old. and Oh, like legal know, documents, documents or what? Uh, oh, every sort of document possible. Letters, deeds of uh, uh-huh. property, deeds of trust, yeah, legal agreements, uh, trade uh treaty agreements between countries and nations. Amazing. Oh, yeah. It, you know, some don't exist anymore, either native mm-hmm. cultures and tribes or, you know, Mexico as it was in the 1700s is not the same country. No, <laughs> so, no, no. Um, yeah, getting to read these old documents, seeing old maps, a lot of maps, and, um, and some some photographs as we mm-hmm. get into more contemporary history. Yeah, so, so it, it still touches that side of me that loves to take care of unique priceless object to tell a specific story. And it's wonderful to see the place packed. People who are so excited about history. Yeah, yeah. Either history of the state they live in and grow up or that they're visiting as tourists. No, Um, right. I'd like to see it. I I looked at their website and I I got, you know, I was like, it it amazes me. Like you uh, pick a spot and there's like a world of history there. Yeah. It's like, I I don't even have the time to learn it all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, still really, in, in, it's just been a lifelong uh, journey of finding out more facets to this work mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, and getting to explore those, uh, you know, share my experience, increase my experience right? Uh, because of the people I get to work with. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I'm still yeah. not really a practicing artist, mm-hmm. uh, unlike most people in the trade mm-hmm. who are either artists or musicians or um, jewelers or some other technical uh, in some people I work with now, they're highly proficient cabinet makers, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. woodworkers, uh, or carpenters. Right, right. And, well, I, I can kind of do all of that. I kind of understand and appreciate all of that. Yeah. But no, I'm I'm a preparator through and through every right. day. 
<laughs> yeah, it sounds like from from what you just laid out, you've got hands-on or working knowledge in like almost every bit of museum and art installation in the profession. So, so that makes you obviously makes you a, an asset to uh, to the organization packing. How did you? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it does. You have my, uh, you know, my um, um, endorsement. So, yeah, the endorsement. That's the word. Yeah. H- how did you get introduced to Packin? And how, you know what? You ultimately ended up volunteering for them. Yeah. So that's actually very embedded in in my own professional career path. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started at Experience Music Project. Uh, I honestly didn't even know much of what I was doing mm-hmm. or how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would have been in 1997, which is mm-hmm. the same year that they were uh, granted a status of professional interest committee within the registrar's committee of the American Association of Museums. The oh. same year they became Packin. Oh, so explain and, a little bit of that process to me because... Yeah. So, you know, uh, the American Association of Museums represents a number of different professional practice groups within museum management world, and Mm -hmm. the Registrar Committee was one of those groups uh, up until the early 2000s. And preparators were kind of a subset under that, because in most institutions, they are either managed by or work directly hand-in-glove with the registrars. Mm Mm-hmm. Side of museums. Yeah. So it was a lot easier just to follow along. But um, Packin applied for uh, what's called a professional interest committee group. It's, it's a subset. You're allowed to have your own uh, meetings and charter your own missions and even have specific activities at AAM conferences okay. or within their information offering. Okay. Uh, and and Packin operated in that capacity uh, with their own website, their own forum, and their list serve. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a, you know, pretty much an email chat group okay. um, for uh, at least 10 years. Okay. Um, and they were just very quietly on the Internet within the Registrar's Committee. Um, mm-hmm. They would do occasional conferences, mm-hmm. prep cons, as they've come to know. Okay. Um, yes, prep cons. And during, you know, AAM conferences, of course, they would have a presence and mm-hmm. somebody would mm-hmm. be there to represent and talk about. Um, but they were also developing affiliations and relationships with the American Institute of Conservation and um, other professional trade groups, okay. which were growing up as yeah, well at that yeah. period. And then in 2014, there were some, some pretty substantial shifts where ARCS was then in full operation, and ARCS was a evolution of the Registrar's Committee. A number of registrars decided they just wanted to be their own entity and not oh. under the AAM umbrella. Okay. So they created this uh, American, what is it called? Ah, uh, here it is, Association of Registrars and Collection Specialists. Okay. Um, and so then they sponsored PACIN mm-hmm. to become its own 501c3 in 2014. And is that a, a non Nonprofit organization. So yeah. So what that means is that ARCS was its own independent nonprofit organization from AAM. Okay. And then Packin became its own independent nonprofit okay. organization okay. alongside ARCS. Okay. Um, which means that both of those entities are responsible for their own fundraising and mm-hmm. their own promotions and publicity and their own standards and policies and. Uh, Okay, so that becomes a bigger deal. And also get the benefit of doing that. Yeah, right, 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 right. 
bigger responsibility, mm-hmm. and you don't have a parent organization to lean on for resource. You have to just move along on your I own. I see. So you're on your um, own with the pluses and minuses of that. Yeah, status. it's just like starting a small business, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since 2015, uh, at a major uh, conference that happened in New Orleans, mm-hmm. um, I've been personally involved with Packin as opposed to just reading the listserv and contributing things that I've learned mm-hmm. um, in a sort of passive way. Okay. I've become much more intimately involved by helping facilitate the, the meeting in 2015 that gave us our, our charter and mission okay. as an organization and then joining the membership committee to uh-huh. help set up our database and structure mm-hmm. for recording and communicating to uh, our membership which at the time was about 150 people. Mm-hmm. We've more than doubled that in the last five years. Okay, that's um, pretty good. Having added uh, you know, a database mm-hmm. uh, program that we had to evaluate and implement, um, and looking at other enhancements within the organization to help manage and, and run it and serve more people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the while, we've also been running our what are called prep cons. Yes, what is PrepCon? So it's um, every two years, Mm -hmm. uh, typically in American cities. Mm -hmm. uh, We host uh, a number of speakers, particularly like on a topic or a theme, just like any conference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, For It's typically a two-day event, Mm -hmm. one day of of talks and lectures. And because it's a small group of under 200 people typically, it will all be... Everybody in one room attending the same lecture or presentation or workshop together. Okay. If you don't okay. want to, you can visit the museum or the cultural sites. I kind of like that, though. Yeah. It's a little more intimate. Uh, you don't... Yeah. And then there'll be breakaway lunch section mm-hmm. sessions or breakaway uh, after hours mm-hmm. get-togethers at different bars mm-hmm. or venues. Um, but then we'll also organize uh, special tours, back-of-house tours, at the cultural institution or institutions that we're in the oh, neighborhood of. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in 2017, we had our first big one as an official separate organization mm-hmm. in Fort Worth, Texas. And it was right there uh, at the Fort Worth Museum of Art next to the Eamon Carter and the Fort Worth Science Center and one okay. or two other major museums. So the, the back of house tours was like a whole day affair and yeah. went from one museum to the other as subgroups of the whole thing. And it was marvelous. Amazing. You could see some really different places all at once and, you know, meet the staff. Um, Last conference that we had in 2019, some of the attendees in 2017 were from Amsterdam and said, this was so much fun. Uh We want you to come to our museum. We want to do it. Okay, yeah. So with their help, we hosted one in Amsterdam in Uh 2019. Ah. Did you get to go to that? Unfortunately, I did not. It Uh was uh, some bad timing in a number of ways, but um, most of our board... Uh, and managing staff went. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the managing staff at, at Packin are volunteers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from the board director all the way down to anybody just doing a little activity for us. Right. Um, right. So all of the prep con is organized through volunteer effort mm-hmm. um, and a lot of in-kind uh, donation support from the hosting organization. Okay, uh, okay managing, you know, the, the registration and the, the gathering of attendees, but also the the hotel options. Okay. And the, the meal options and the dine-out options. One thing that we, we definitely try to have at PrepCon are uh-huh. our social gatherings, our social events. 
social gatherings are just get together and talk. Mm. Social events are purely that. They're just networking. Right. Which is a big part of, of our trade is based on, you know, networking and connecting with people who know of opportunities or who have needs. Yeah, yeah. Services. I have I'm um, a new member and I have yeah. perused the website a little bit and and I I see how vast it is and I definitely get a feeling for uh, a broad networking <laughs> possibilities. Yeah. And and even on our membership platform, which mm-hmm. is a separate site from our our website, there's uh, a terrific ability to network through the membership directory. Oh, okay. Um, and it's one of the benefits that we do reserve for members to be able to access only each other ah, as opposed I see. to having okay. outsiders get mm-hmm. because you never quite know there i mean there are sure. some basically moving companies mm-hmm. that you know are just looking for somebody to help put nails yeah. on a wall Manual that's labor. not what we yeah. do yeah, we yeah, do yeah. a little bit more advanced than that we can do that so sure. like sure folks you know wrote, grew up doing that or right. do that on the side that's fine yeah yeah just not the same levels of standards and concerns mm-hmm. um that a bulk of our membership yeah. represents. Yeah, yeah, that um, makes sense. If you're a member, yeah. you're a member for a reason, and you've been like right. kind of, in a in a way, vetted. You know, you, yeah, you, exactly. you're thinking along the same same lines. Yeah, the other thing that we offer that looks kind of like PrepCon mm-hmm. is, are the workshops, and those happen as interest and uh, resource come together and are available. Okay, uh, we were. Scheduled to have one in May in Washington D.C., uh, Delaware area, actually, mm-hmm. on rigging, uh, which would yeah. be a repeat of one that we did last year in Seattle, Washington. And it was a, such a big success we had to add another day. Ah. There were so many people interested mm-hmm. nationally to attend mm-hmm. this conference. Oh, that's beautiful. This workshop, um, and we had three or four companies that had different kinds of rigging approaches and, and techniques or specialties show up and give a whole full day's hands-on mm-hmm. how to you know, lay in ropes and how to tie and how to use straps and mm-hmm. how to use hoists and come-alongs and cranks and different gantry yeah. setups and very involved trade-specific yeah. training. Is that, so that's it also very helps important. To have a small yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, that's okay. Yeah, and we've had other uh, either specific workshops or even a little bit more general workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, in Seattle, I helped organize one in, in 2015 that, you know, we had someone talking about uh, – specific complex uh, crating techniques, another lecture on LED lighting, another lecture on all the different contemporary AV media that's out there. Oh, yeah. What it means and why to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, you know, a little bit more of a broad scattershot mm-hmm. thing, but it was a workshop because mm-hmm. it was just one day, limited number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are always looking to also develop these workshops, which help provide good bits of information along the way and hands-on training. Yeah, yeah. And networking opportunities. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Um, and then our website, we, we do post uh, articles, uh, either technical specific articles uh-huh. or general instructive articles, new explorations and uses of materials and techniques. Mm-hmm. Those also have to be vetted and looked over to make sure that they're not, you know, a promotional. Right, right, right. But we I... do have some very close and uh, precious relationships with a number of corporate sponsors, okay. sponsor members. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there's a, a fine line that we are always respectful of and managing because sure. of those relationships and because of our status. We're yeah, yeah. out there really just to educate yeah, and yeah. to develop skills and knowledge. Uh, 
Yeah, your priorities are you're a source of information and networking. And yes, but, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And since moving uh, to Texas yeah. uh, at, the, at the Bullock, since I'm a, a member of a team of five and I'm not managing the whole exhibits program, I have a little bit more bandwidth in okay. brain and, and in, in my day to be a lot more involved in in the pack in. Okay. Work. Okay. Having moved up from being on a membership committee and developing a newsletter with them. Mm-hmm. And, really establishing a, a database resource to now being a secretary to the, the board of directors yeah. and helping really steer on a monthly basis the operation. Right, right, right. Unique so, little organization. Yeah. So you, so that's, that's, that's awesome. And, and it probably it, it, uh, enriches your, your activities at, at your current place of employee. At least for me, it does. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, I've, I've uh, shared notes and information from the, the various prep cons and events that mm-hmm. I've gone to or that we've put on with my coworkers and colleagues. Mm-hmm. And I, I hope they take something out of it. Yeah. I, I talk about it on a regular basis that I'm involved <laughs> in this. Um, but I have not yet been able to recruit a single one of them as a member. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, <laughs> I don't okay. know. Well, you know, these yeah, things are... Yeah, that's the weird thing about our trade. Mm-hmm. We're, we're a group of people that don't want to be members of any sort of group. Yes, that's true. You are... That I guess I'm guilty of that. You, you're trying to attract people that are super independent personalities. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and don't often have a lot of time or extra cash. Right, 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 right. So, and I believe my um, younger, more astute uh, coworkers are probably were have been members of Packin way before me. So you know, uh-huh. I just uh, wised up after this latest <laughs> this latest event. Um, yeah. Are you hearing stories? I mean, what's the what are the chat rooms like? Are you hearing stories of other installers and techs and how they're uh, moving forward with the stay-at-home crisis? And yeah, we're seeing some communication, particularly on our Facebook page, mm-hmm. where we were inspired by some of your questions to put out similar questions. Oh yeah, um, good, good. But then also seeing similar conversations going on in webinars and other professional trade groups. A lot of people have been furloughed um, mm-hmm. or completely laid off. Mm-hmm. Uh, one private art handler I know in the Seattle region, one of her major museum clients just said, we're suspending all of our exhibits through the summer. They're just going to shut it down and not, yeah. Stopped. Yeah. So there's no work. And it's not even postponed. It's just, we'll call you back when we're reopened. Okay. Uh, I think a lot yeah. of people are getting that experience. Um, yeah. But... You know, there's state and there's government support. There are, are resources that you can dig around and find, mm-hmm. whether it's either just direct financial support or other kinds of work that you can do. Mm-hmm. There's a, a wonderful woman in London called Sarah Tithridge. Yes. Who runs a group called Art Tech Space. And she, uh, just a couple days ago, started an emergency fund art auction. Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, so there are people who are realizing I'm good at organizing I'm not going to organize an event. I'm going to organize support. And mm-hmm. they're just putting their, their energy and their resource into more innovative ways to address this. Okay. Um, and providing connection to mm-hmm. other resources as yeah. well. I, I saw a really informative conference that was held on a Zoom chat type thing. And it was the ARCS group, the Registrars and Collection Specialist uh-huh. group, that was doing a, a shippers and brokers assessment of 
what impact is this having on your business and trade, and how are you projecting into the future that this will go on? Right. And there were um, art handling and logistic companies from all throughout Europe and all the way across America. Uh-huh. Uh, I think because of the time of day, they couldn't involve anybody in Asia or Australia. Uh-huh. But it was a very strongly represented group of people, uh, all from sub- most of the major players in mm-hmm. the business. But, you know, and they're all saying the same thing. We're right. shut down. Our yeah. warehouses are dark and quiet. Um, many of them were saying that they had the resources to retain their staff okay. uh, just on furlough yeah. or on, you know, some That's other reduced package. True. But I've even seen mm-hmm. other companies. There's, uh, there was one I've, I've never heard of until this week in uh, upstate New York that is basically offering their warehouse as a, a staging and logistics center for food and medical support equipment. Ah. Or any essential service need that you have to move things, they ah. have the people, the resources to do this. So they're redeploying where they can. I see. So they're 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 saying uh, just in case you have to do something, we can accommodate. Yeah. And and they're good at handling delicate things mm-hmm. on specific schedules, particularly with climate controlled environments. Right. Right. Trucks. Uh-huh. Very important. So it's a you know needs fit opportunity matchup that they're they're offering so uh, I think companies are looking at that sort of thing but the, the big takeaway from the the arts chat was that business is going to look remarkably different for well over a year yeah it's going to be slower it's going to take longer to do work because mm-hmm. of all the new requirements mm-hmm. uh, social distancing you can't put two people in a truck it's less than 50. Uh, right but no. you have to have two people on the job but, right exactly so it changes but, the expense of the job and, exactly and the timing and how do you Pull that and off. it just trickles all the way down through everything you do, how you yeah. carry a painting. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's six feet um, uh, wide. And <laughs> yeah, or a sculpture. Uh, mm-hmm. You deal with you know, no, surfaces you're, that you're moving through. Heads are always um, leaning I, in each other's way. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the other side of it, I, I attended a, a traveling exhibits network conference workshop online. Uh-huh. And how do you deal with six semi-trucks full of crates coming into your facility that all need to be sterilized? Oh, and these crates yeah. are the size of vehicles. That, how do you do that? No, right, right. <laughs> and you have to have a lot of people there to handle that. So mm-hmm. it's a whole new set of problems that everybody's realizing is going to drastically change the time scale in which it's going to take to do things, the mm-hmm. way you have labor effort there, which doesn't necessarily translate to needing more workers mm-hmm. or longer you know right i don't think anybody's figured it out yet yeah like it's Um, we haven't gotten a try much of it exactly like uh we rely on students for some of our help at the georgia museum of art and uh the students aren't going to be coming back anytime soon so you know right and uh yeah on on another story you know my my wife she works at what's called the harry ransom center Uh university of texas campus it's a humanities study research center with a huge collection of archives from all across cultural sectors of the world. They have a huge art collection, photography collection. Uh, um, they have a private exhibit or an exhibit gallery, actually it's public, mm-hmm. um, that they do two to four shows a year. in. so they have their own prep staff mm-hmm. who are also all just at home like me, not doing right. any work during the day, waiting for the bosses to say, okay, we can open again, and here's how we're going to open. You know, and and you may be in the same position working for a a major institution has the resources to keep you on Mm -hmm. pay, 
but yeah. it's just nothing. No, we're just trying to stay smart and keep our tools uh, polished. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the start position, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I've even heard other people say the same thing. My shop has never looked so good. Yeah. Our, <laughs> our workspace has never mm. been so ready. <laughs> well, that, that's great. That's good, yeah. I you get to fix those problems you've never gotten to fix. I guess I was also speaking metaphorically. I'm not physically there, so yeah, polishing my uh, mental tools. <laughs> Which yeah, a lot of good reset opportunity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is part of what what attracted me to join up with Pack, and you know, it's like this is a it's an excellent resource for. Thank I mean, you. Thank yeah. You. I, I, and I will send you um, after this conversation an email with a number of links to some of these things that I've mentioned. Oh, sure. Some of the, some yeah, yeah, yeah. That these companies are offering. Or I would love that, and I'll share them. Uh, institutions. Yeah. So that, yeah, you can put it as a sidebar or something mm-hmm. for the. the yeah, I would definitely like that. Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and another thing just to verbally mention was that Art Handler Magazine conducted a, a pretty big survey and was able to get some very good empirical data, uh, head counts. Uh, uh, Art, Art count Handler people. Magazine. Yeah, it's a, a magazine out of New York City um, started by the Art Handlers Alliance. Okay. It's been one of the big proponents in the unionization concerns and effort. Okay, okay. Specifically in New York. Interesting, but, yeah. Uh, Know, bringing up the topic, but they also just address some of the really wonderful and unique scenarios that we find ourselves in. The trade. Sure, okay. Um, but I'll send you that link to that oh, survey yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that. I know you said you're not an artist, but I did read in your bio that you were learning to play the banjo. So, yes. how's yeah. the music going? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, so many things five weeks ago i was so excited to have all this time off to to learn and play it and had all these lessons stocked up Uh Uh, and i don't think i've put even five hours into it Uh (laughs) (laughs) you just get so relaxed Mm -hmm. my daily schedule yeah more time just Mm -hmm. going with the flow walking the dog for a long walk well i mean wife yeah. That you know, I realized. Oh my gosh, it's nine o'clock already. I still haven't yeah. strength much. <laughs> but um, it's it's a wonderful sidebar thing mm-hmm. to go do. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly have improved in the last four years that I've been playing. Okay. Um, mostly on my own. I've taken a couple of lessons, but you know, I've got two or three songs I can just pick up and finger out, and it's right. fairly decent. Beautiful, beautiful. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have your you know your alternate thing but yeah you know no pressure because i think everyone's needs to relax because there's just so much uh stress in the air anyway yeah yeah it's like some of us are inclined to put too much pressure on ourselves with the free time that we have ended up with (laughs) yeah yeah you gotta remember to keep keep it free because it it is free time yeah exactly exactly yeah, and the, the other thing, my interests musically are incredibly diverse, mm-hmm. um, and the banjo fits beautifully into that because I love a lot of West African music, ah. I love Irish music and Appalachian mm-hmm. music. Um, I love certain forms of... Uh, I've recently fallen over this band that references a lot of Thai funk from the 70s. Oh, oh, which, oh that sounds great. 
it's guitars and bass sounding like all these Asian instruments, but mm-hmm. also kind of banjo-y and mm-hmm. other melodic string instruments. Sure, sure. So it, it, it's very hard for me to decide which sound direction to go into with the banjo. Right, right. Well, you don't, <laughs> the way I feel is you don't have to pick one, but you probably should pick one for, you know, different Yeah, you got to pick one to time. get somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Guys, exactly, exactly. Something consistent, yeah. Yeah, so one week I'll be doing some sort of little British single string melodic thing uh-huh. and then the next week I'm trying to do Foggy Mountain Breakdown again. Okay. Get okay. Appalachian Wonder Kid going and uh, then I cool. pick up some little South African thing <laughs> in a book I've got and I'm like, ooh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> like, Wait a minute, that's a whole different finger skill. Right, right. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse to be interested in so many things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, I'm so glad yeah, I discovered... I'm so, so glad I discovered Pack, and th- thank you so much for talking to me. And I also didn't want to, uh, you know, close out until I've asked you if there was something I forgot to ask about. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's kind of almost like not fair to uh, ask a question like that, but I, you know. Yeah, you know, the... the the thing that I think about in, in this current situation that we're in, and, and this might be a question you would ask, is, you know, mm-hmm. what, what does the future feel like or look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think m- museums are socially and culturally essential. Yeah. yeah. And just the fact that we've had to close to be safe and mm-hmm. to be smart mm-hmm. underscores that yeah. critical nature of, mm-hmm. of what we offer. And we'll know that we've gotten through this when we're going back to those places. Right. Yeah. That I like the way you I like the way you said that. It's it ultimately is essential. You don't know what you have until you lose it. You know. And yeah. And uh, just taking a taking a little break from it. And we'll, right. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll, and I think you said something like this uh, earlier too. Is it, it when it when it starts back? It's not going to be. It's not going to boom back. It's going to come back in a slow, different kind of kind of way. Hopefully, a lot more mindful. Hopefully, mm-hmm. a lot less racing for that dreaded exhibit opening date because you've got five others stacked up behind it and just that constant yeah. sort of I like entertainment yeah. level. Mm-hmm. It's like we're all trying to run a Broadway show and we're mm-hmm. not doing Broadway right content. Yeah, yeah. We it, should be approaching it in a little bit more consistent manner to our standards and practices mm-hmm. like you methodically know, an object and... needs 24 hours to acclimate so mm-hmm. then why do we rush putting in getting lighting on getting a label up so we can open the door in two mm-hmm. more hours mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no yeah. no i think and, and that approach is well practiced at, at larger institutions mm-hmm. that have the capacity to really plan and facilitate for that right. and maybe some smaller institutions that have chosen that path but i think it needs to become more of a standard mm-hmm for worker safety, which also needs to become a yeah. more preeminent focus. I like that. Very, Whether very it's, important. Whether it's, you know, fatigue yeah. mats and good tools mm-hmm. or just proper work pace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people... listening mm-hmm. to the intelligence of all members in the work team, as mm-hmm. opposed to it being, you know, one person's vision and they... Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's that... not to say there's never going to be a day when you're not behind the gun and, oh my gosh, no. I promised yeah. it. and. I'm exactly. Running yeah. late, and you gotta. But it shouldn't go back to the norm. Right to the to the to the freak out. 
deadline. The, the norm should yeah. be more in alignment with our core standards. Yeah, with the care for the care. care for the objects and the and the crew. Yeah. yeah, and and maybe that means changing the way we represent and even present our exhibition operations. We do uh-huh. it with more uh, broadcast. You know, we make it something people can watch on a. Sure, sure. Share the process. I, I, I think I saw you this. Know, um, yeah. I, I mean, I've tried to talk to that with a, a couple of different uh, promotions departments and museums I've worked on. It. Do you want me to strap mm-hmm. a GoPro to the forklift while mm-hmm. I'm unloading? The, mm-hmm. They won't see anything that they shouldn't see. Right. They'll just see something they've never seen. And a little bit of it's really boring, and you can speed it up. Sure, because, sure. Gosh, it can take an hour and a half to get one box off the mm-hmm. truck. So but just to see that put together is something mm-hmm. they might like to. And so it may involve more of that, mm-hmm. the show about the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. So there is, there is okay. interest. I, I, yeah, I, and yeah, I know just, I, yeah, some organizations are, are hesitant to uh, do, do stuff like that or let photographers in during the process. Yeah, and, and then there's some rights and restrictions yeah. that need to be... Yeah. regarded yeah it's a balance but i like but it's also a, a something about the nature of like we were saying earlier the people who do this kind of work mm-hmm. were really hesitant to be out there and to be shown why mm-hmm. <laughs> you're yeah, doing yeah. it right you're doing right, it well right. you should show it should show it exactly but also, even if it's on stop action or mm-hmm. it's spread out so we don't exactly. see every little thing you do and how often you do touch your face <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> but, <laughs> you know there's ways to do it that are respectful but also elevate it yeah yeah, yeah. Enhance it. I like that. Because there is an art to mm-hmm. what we do. Yeah, yeah. That's true. You get yeah. There's a it's like a dance almost if everyone's in Yeah. Yeah, I love it when you get the choreography down and everybody yeah. knows where they're going and what they're doing and it's just, yeah. That <laughs> was perfect. easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. two hundred pieces in three hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Neat. Yeah, yeah. You're in the zone. It's beautiful. Yeah. Well Yeah, so... or everything falls to heck and it still comes out marvelous. Right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, they, that helped us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Helping it worked. Yeah, why did I? Why did I panic? It turned out, turned out fine. <laughs> well, Sean, thank and, you. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, a good sorry. Note to end on. yeah, I think it's <laughs> a great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why did we panic? Why did we, we panic? Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling hopeful already, and I really appreciate this conversation, sir. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah. Great to talk to you, Larry. So um, will you share, uh, just s- say it for me right now, but I know you're going to send me the link, but uh, what is the Packin website link? And I'll share it and so I, if our listeners... Yeah, so let me go back even a little bit further. Okay. Uh, Packin is the Preparators, Art Handlers, and Collections Care Information Network. Network, okay. And uh, it's packin.org is our main website. Okay, beautiful. Packin.org. And from that website, you can see links to our membership portal where you can join. Yeah. Um, and both the membership portal and packin.org feature all of our upcoming events, whether they're social, workshop, or prep cons. Okay. And they do have frequently updated articles and forum content. Yes. Okay. And then historic information as well. Okay. So it's despite it being um, an older style website, it's still alive and robust. Yeah, it's still of value. Yeah, it's like not as see. it's not as pretty as some of the modern ones, but it's got a lot of info. <laughs> no, no, and, and we're working on that project as well to ah, update it. Beautiful. I look forward to seeing that. So do we. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John. Well, thank you so much, and I will uh, hopefully uh, talk to you soon. 
You're welcome. I look forward to that. Yeah. All right. Keep in touch, Larry. Uh, you too. Take, take it easy. Bye-bye. Thanks again to my guest, Sean Harrison, from the organization PACIN. PACIN is a comprehensive resource for anyone working in the field of museum exhibitions and collections care. If you want more information on what we talked about here, I'm sharing several links in the show notes. I am Larry Fort, and thank you for listening to Limited Perspective. Thank mm-hmm. you.